This is David Garcia, a professional sports manager, and you are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams. And you know, I'm never alone. Today, I got the man, the myth, the legend, the one who makes my voice sound immaculate, and the one who writes all of our NFT articles, which if you haven't yet, please go to prosportspodcasters.com, sign up for our news article, and Kobe will tell you how to make money off of various NFTs. This week or next week, it's probably going to be so rare, maybe UFC, I'm not sure. He knows what he's doing. I don't. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my good friend, Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. My birthday just passed, so I'm still celebrating. I was going to say, happy belated. What are you, like 25, 26 now? I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, around Something that. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 25 <laughs> and holding. Something like that. <laughs> and uh, quick thing, what'd you do for your birthday? A lot. Went to Little Canada, went and saw Hadestown at Royal Alex, did a little shopping. It's fun. Oh, damn. Look at you go birthday boy indeed but today kobe we have a guest with us this guy he's a manager of athletics when it comes to soccer wrestling mma and also he mentors the youth to help them grow to become upstanding people in society basically kobe he's better than you and i put together (laughs) ladies and gentlemen please welcome mr david garcia david how you doing i'm doing fine and that was too much brother I think I toned it down, man. Like in the pre-interview, you gave me a lot to work with. So I'm like, screw it. I'll just give the bare minimum and let you talk about the rest. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on, sir. Now, because you're our guest, you get to pick. Which sport do you want to talk about first? The ball or glove are in your court? The glove. The glove. We're going to go with the gloves. All right. So we're going to pick gloves for this one. So we're going to talk a little bit of UFC, if you don't mind. So coming up with the UFC, right? We just had the Sanhagen and Font fights. That went to a decision. Do you feel like it was the appropriate decision for Sanhagen to get it over Font? I think so. I think so. You know, Rob, he's he's a really good fighter and uh, and a clever ground uh, ground fighter. Uh, And I think think Sanhagen approached it really clever uh, as well so yeah i, I think he, he won that fight uh, yeah yeah no it's it's a good call i mean when i was watching it at first i didn't get to watch all of it but every time i walked into the room it looked like font was on the aggressive mm-hmm. so i was like oh okay font is going to take this and when i came back and saw that sanhagen one mm-hmm. i was like what did i miss like yeah. i guess every time i was in the room i was his good luck charm i'm not sure what happened there rob was aggressive but uh, Sandhagen was the most uh, was the more more clever fighter, as he switched and turned and he did all these things, the reverse and and um, and in that end he, he he was the smarter fighter, basically. Rob was the more aggressive, and it didn't pay off that night. It it did not know, but you know what? 
it happens in MMA. It's you never. We had a, a guy on Burt Watson who's synonymous with UFC and for Bellator, and he often says, "You never let it go to the judges," and this is for that reason too. It's just what we do. But we're going to skip ahead to 292, which I think everyone is going to want to talk about. I'm not going to steal Kobe's thunder because I know who he wants to talk and ask about. But I'm going to ask about Wei Ling Zhang versus Amanda Limos. Do you feel like Amanda has enough to kind of take the title from Wei Li? It's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I hope she can give her a, a really good fight. Wei Li is an animal. She's a true warrior. But... Um, Never underestimate these fighters. They have something that uh, we ordinary people don't have. Uh, so Lemos can, um, I think she can upset. And I hope she has her day, her really good day, and brings her A-game to that fight. And if she does that, anything can happen. Anything can happen. What would Lemos need to do to kind of overpower Weidling? Would it be ground game? Would it be striking? Would it be a combination? Would it be, be stamina? Yeah, I, I, th I think Lemos is good. Is is a good all-round fighter, and and obviously a really good ground has a good ground game. But I think also Wei Li, who, who ordinary uh, was a was a stand-up fighter, has improved her ground game a lot. So I think basically I think it's going to be a really competitive fight, uh, wherever it goes. If it goes to the ground or if it's if it's going to be on the feet, it's going to be a real competitive fight. So I think that fight is up in the air. We don't know. The one who brings the A game is going to win that fight. I love how you word this. Yeah, I was going to ask you, basically, what got you into the MMA world, David? Oh, that's a good question. You know, first, to, to be a sports manager or a sports agent, call it whatever. Nowadays, it, it, you can go to school and you can go to university to be that. But in my time, it wasn't so much that. We had sports agents in, in different kinds of sports. We have had that for some time. But in MMA, it wasn't like that 10 years ago. So I came from technology and media. So I built up a, a blog platform. I built up the biggest blog platform in the Nordics and basically in the world because we launched it in 2003, one year before WordPress. So, uh, and at that time, we also built up what we know today as digital influencers. So we built up the 100 biggest bloggers to be the, to be the biggest influencers, having millions of views and, and things like that, based on blogs, not on social, because Facebook, they launched in 2007, as we know. So we built up influencers in, in different kind of categories. Uh, you could be a politician, you could be a athlete you can be a musician you can be whatever so we build up but what what really took off is what we call here in the nordic pink bloggers uh and that is young girls that doesn't have a craft basically they are just who they are looking good and talking air if i could say it like that no offense girls but uh, it is air <laughs> uh, um, talking a lot of shit but I built that up and made that a, a multi-million dollar in this uh, business and giving all these young girls and people a lot of money. So when I got the offer to sell that, I took it right away because I was tired of, of giving influencers that kind of money. 
and, and I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports geek. I'm I'm, I'm an athlete from my, my youth, and and I'm a, I'm a geek. So when I when I sold it, I was I, I used a couple of years to to figure out what am I going to do. So I I actually picked up that way of building up uh, profiles, which I did with the blog. So one day I was at the gym and I saw Jack Hermanson. I was training at the uh, the beginner uh, class, and he was standing. He was actually standing in the front desk at the gym, and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing here? I saw you on TV yesterday, fighting in fighting in Cage Warriors. Aren't you rich? Why are you standing here, taking membership and and selling T-shirt for the gym?" And he said to me, "David, I'm poor as fuck. I don't make any money at all of this." But I use all my time and energy to be the best in the world. And I was like stunned by it. Thinking of all these young uh, people I've been giving so much money to talk about nothing in their social channels. And here are this guy that basically do everything in his power to be the greatest of all time. And I said to him, let's sit down. Maybe I can connect something with my business life and and, and connect it to your life. Let's have a sit down. And we sat down in the park the, uh, the next day, and then we agreed, let's try. And I said to him, I don't know, I don't know if this works or not, but let me give it a try to, to, uh, to my network and see how they respond to, to, to building businesses and uh, having commercial partnerships and things like that. So I started in that end, the end that I was good at, and that was commercializing things. Uh, so we spit our hands and we shook it, and we didn't have an agreement for the first three years, and the rest is history. Amazing. So it was it was almost fluke that it happened that way. It was. It was a fluke. But obviously you were interested in MMA already. Yeah, really. I was there. My best friend, he went to Phoenix University back in the 90s. I'm an old man, guys. <laughs> so, so he he called me back home because I was I was I was I, I was a brawler, you know. I like to fight in the streets and whatever, you know. I never never. I always took the challenge wherever it come uh, came uh, when I was younger. So he called me when he was he he studying in the uh, university, and he said, David amazing shit is going down in the US. I see these big people fighting each other. A big fat man doing, I don't know what he was doing against something called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I don't know what that is, but it looks amazing. And he sent me these VHA tapes back to Norway. And that was one, two, three, and five. I was hooked. I saw this, I saw UFC one, two, and three, and five. I think I saw it maybe 100 times in repeats. So I've, I've been around for a long time. Yeah. So where, where were you in Norway at the time? In Oslo. In Oslo. Okay. Okay. So at that time, Sweden didn't really have much in the way of fighters, correct? No, no, no not in the early, no, not in the early nineties. In the, in the late nineties, it, it 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 started to bloom. That's right, because now we have quite a few top fighters sort of representing Sweden, especially at the UFC level. 
yeah, yeah, we have we have some really good guys. We have, uh, yeah, we have uh, Panik Jansad, we have Kamsat Chimaev, we have Alex Gustafsson, and um, we have this uh, Kutalatse, this Georgian Swedish guy. Who's the most popular fighter in Sweden now? It will always and forever be Alex Gustafsson. Oh, oh, he made an impression. Yeah, Alex Alex is a legend here. Right on, right on. Just like George St. Pierre is a legend here, my friends. Good old GSP. Yeah, you, you, you can't touch them. They're legends. Legitimately. And if you try, you'll just get your arm broken, probably figuratively and literally. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe by some. So the whispers rumors coming around for 292 is that Aljermaine Sterling will be moving up a weight class. So he'll be leaving bantamweights. Do you feel like this is true if he loses to Sugar Sean O'Malley? If he loses to Sugar? <laughs> I can't. I, I won't say. <laughs> I can't see that happen. <laughs> First of all, uh, he's a funny guy, uh, O'Malley. Uh, but I can't see Aljamain losing that fight. Um, Aljamain moving up? Yeah, why not? Why not? It's his story. It's his life. If he feels that he can manage that, go for it. So I have a theory. I have a feeling if Aljamain, <clears throat> this might, like, might be like an Alex Pereira kind of situation, where let's say Aljo loses, I feel like he deserves the immediate rematch against Sean, given the fact Aljo has done what he's done. But I feel like if he wins, I can't see him vacating the title, but I can see him moving up, trying to go champ champ status, which I guess that's what everyone tries to do to dominate two divisions now. But my kind of little theoretical bender to you is if Sugar Sean could last the whole duration, go five rounds, and then it goes to the judges, do you feel like based off basically popularity and how the UFC has been feeding this kid success that he will get the title? But keep in mind, Sugar Sean went from 17th to like eighth to first. Like he has just been jumping and been given so many blessings by the UFC. Yeah, you're, you're, you're on to a, a really good point here. We must never forget that UFC are probably one of the greatest sports marketing company in the world today. That's their base to be great in promoting, in marketing. And they need this marketable characters light sugar because fans will be fans they love this type of characters and the ufc they can see what drives money into the bank so i i believe that the ufc really wants sugar to win and to succeed i fully agree yeah so and that's the part of the business that's the part of the business we live in and on the other hand, Algemen not so much as Sugar. So, uh, as we have seen, I don't think they uh, they give enough credential to Algemen. I think he's a great fighter, but maybe the profile is not so easy to to do marketing on, you know. And uh, that 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 shows uh, when when they prior uh, prioritize fighters, you know, who they're gonna prioritize or not. And it's all coming down to money. Who's, who's driving more money in? And that's exactly it. Sugar Sean is his own brand. 
for a while there before he was getting the big payouts, he was actually making more money off of his podcast and merch than he was by the UFC. So essentially it's like UFC acquired the, like another business, the business being the sugar show. So if, and, and, and sugar Sean's already kind of the face of the UFC cause he's part of their branding now when it comes to, Oh, what is it like some drink or something and a watch that UFC is paired with? Yeah. Like, Basically, yeah. they just need him to win the title, and that will cement being like, oh, look, see, like, Sugar is the next best thing coming up, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, if that is true, he's only going to have the reign for probably a defense or two, because even if Aljo leaves, there's still a bunch of killers in the bantamweight. So it's like, yeah, enjoy yeah. your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, it, it, yeah, might be. Maybe, maybe Sugar will rise to a level, the next level and a level above that again. We never know, but... Um... But what, one thing is sure is that uh, the UFC appreciates Sugar based on his character and the way he can drive money into the company. And, and, and he's going to milk the cow, as we say here, on it. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. So Rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Get in the game. Get some cards and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? Yes. You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because process podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us. And so he really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Yeah, I mean, legitimately, Sugar Sean is unapologetically himself. He does not care. He says what he wants, he does what he wants, and he just does what he feels. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's, from what I've been told from other people on various platforms, he's actually a pretty genuine, down-to-earth kind of guy. Him and his wife do a lot of work together. And they genuinely care about people. They do have, well, he does have that selfish persona, but he's 16 and one, respectively, in the biggest promotion. I guess 16, one and one. This is a no contest, but he's 16, one and one in the biggest MMA promotion in North America. He has star power branding and he's going to fight for a title. I'm not going to lie. If I break a new PR at the gym, I walk around like I'm the president. So I can only imagine <laughs> that this guy is just on cloud nine and trying to get higher. I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him either. That's, uh, you know, this journey, you never know when it's going to quit, you know? Oh, my God. You can, you can have a, s- a severe injury and you're out of it for, forever. Um, or you're going to get caught. You never know. So you need to ride this ride as a motherfucker, as good and as hard as you can. And that's it. Like, nothing personal. It's just business. Yeah, it is. Now, quick thing before I pass you off to Kobe. With the WWE and UFC merger, Kobe and I kind of, we put out a bunch of posts about who we think could go from UFC to WWE and WWE to UFC. But 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you that question yet. What I'm going to ask you, El Kukui is on the biggest backslide of his life since BJ Penn. Do you feel yeah. like El Kukui should just jump ship to WWE since they're basically one company now? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you, you put me in a hard spot here. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm a huge Tony <laughs> fan. I'm a huge Tony fan. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the way, uh, the old way. I'm, I'm, but it seems that uh, his ride is over now. Yeah. But again, we have seen fighters come, uh, done comebacks. But I really can't see it with Tony. I really can't see it with Tony. So whatever's next for Tony or not, maybe it's WWE. He would certainly do a really good show there. But I don't, I don't think we're going to see him in the top five or top ten for a long, long time now. Maybe never. I think his run is done. It is done. It's over. <laughs> I mean, I love Tony too, but I'd actually rather see him quit as opposed to just going in and getting pummeled every time. Right? Yeah. It, it's over. You, 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 you know, it's so hard because I'm so close to these athletes. I know their lives. I live their lives. I live with them. So it's so difficult for me to challenge their way of thinking and their way of life because I know the sacrifice they do. It's nothing like I've been through in life. Absolutely nothing. And I've been through everything. All the shit you can imagine, but doesn't compare a percentage of what they sacrifice to do what they do. It's so insane and it cannot compare to any type of athletes in the world and i work with all of them but these mma fighters and athletes it's it's a mental fight it's a mental game so deep that it's it's almost impossible for us normals to understand it so it's really hard for me to to stump on to 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 throw somebody under the bus or, or talk badly about them because I know what they sacrifice, and I, I respect it too much. No, 100%. I, I understand where you're coming from there, for sure. I've known a number of different UFC and MMA fighters as well, and I, I accept exactly what you're saying. Now, we're talking to you. You're currently in Göteborg, Sweden. We've spoken with a another mixed martial arts champion from that neck of the woods. Do you know Sadu mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know him personally. We met a couple of times. Yeah, so Sadibusai is a PFL champion. As a result of that, how is the awareness of the PFL in in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's 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 really high actually. PFL they have they have the main competition they're doing in the states, mm-hmm. but they also have this European league. So it we have actually had a number of fighters from both Norway and Sweden participating in, in PFL uh, in the Europe League. So, and we have Martin Hamlet, uh, the light heavyweights that unfortunately got knocked out in, in, in uh, last, sat- last Friday mm-hmm. um, from Norway. And we have Sadebu from Sweden. So the knowledge is pretty good uh, about uh, PHL. They have a good fan base here. Now, quite a few UFC fans are aware of the top gyms in Sweden, but are there some up-and-coming gyms in Norway? Yeah, for sure. For sure. We have two 
two major gyms in in, in Oslo, which uh, it's Frontline Academy where we have Mohsen Bahari, okay, uh, and Jack Hermansen and Kenneth Berg and uh, Martin Hamlet, uh, quite a few good fighters there, mm-hmm. obviously. And then we have another gym called Frontline Muay Thai, which have a, a, a lighter type of fighters, where we have uh, this new UFC fighter, Ivana Sirish. No, Ivana Petrovic, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Who looks good, by the way. Yeah, she does. She, she just needs the will to get going, you know, in the top in the top division. And then we have, uh, and on, in Frontline Muay Thai, they also have a number of world championship uh, champions in Muay Thai and K1. So they're really up and coming. So we have two really good gyms in, 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 in Norway and Kamsat is over here all the time. And, uh, and that is also Felipe Lima, the champion and Andreas, the general, the, the head coach at all stars, these key gyms, they are, they, they work together with okay. all their fighters. Okay. Any of those Muay Thai fighters uh, fight in one championship? No. The only one we have, we had, uh, it was one uh, girl called Amelina Hogsta, but she's out now. So the only fighter we have left now from Norway in, in uh, one is, uh, is a grappler called Tommy Langaker. Okay. Yes, indeed. So... With that being said, when it comes to, to Swedish fighters and fighters around Europe, Bellator is almost synonymous for pretty much sticking in both America and doing a lot of shows in Europe, whether that be in like the UK, you know, Glasgow, London, whatever it is. Are we going to see more bigger promotions kind of hop over to the European stream and try to get them more uh, limelight, if you will? Yeah, we, we, we have two, three really good and high level promotion here in Europe. That is uh, RS, RSFC in, in Paris, in France, the promotion of uh, GAN. And then we have Octagon in, in the Czech Republic, and we have uh, KSW in Poland. These three promotions, they have um, thousands, thousands of, of, of spectators and, and uh, a lot of pay-per-views and uh, high-level fighters. So. Three really good uh, promotions. I was going to say, I know KSW is a beast. I've seen some of their shows, but they remind me of like old school, I guess, Ryzen, if you want to say. I want to say more pride, but basically Ryzen is pride. Uh, fight yeah. me on it. But it just, it I, I, seems like pride. Like when I watch it, I'm like, yo, this is what pride was, except Polish and not Japanese. I agree. I agree. They, 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 they do a lot of work. Uh, on the pro- on on the marketing and the setup of the events uh, remind me a lot of the Japanese events, but uh, the octagon in the Czech Republic, they do this in in massive stadiums a couple of times a year where they have fifty thousand spectators on the, on on the stands. So yeah, these three are really really high level and pays good as well. They are. Uh, on the salary competitive with uh, both PFL and, and Bellator. Which, speaking of the PFL, we saw Francis Ngannou break the world with that contract being like, if I'm going to fight for two mil, whatever, but my opponent also gets a mil. Can you see bigger promotions now scrambling to try to make similar deals or something as such? Like, has Francis basically broken the industry? 
uh, basically, yeah, you can say he bro- he's bra- he's doing a m- amazing work. This is the work that managers that we do, what we strive to do every day with our fighters, because they are underpaid. They are one hundred percent underpaid, and the fight that Engano is doing is is for the greater good. So everyone should should thank him for that uh, for what he's doing. Keep in mind that the UFC they are paying what is it around fifteen percent of the of the revenue mm-hmm. to the fight uh, of fighter uh, fighter salary, and all the other franchises in the US they are all are around fifty percent. So, and and think the UFC is the best paid promotion in MMA, then you know you're underpaid. That's uh, that is a sad reality and a sad fact. Yeah, that's that's one we can get into <laughs> for quite some time. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to actually switch up the conversation a little bit. Just want to ask you personally, David, because you are a, a respected soccer coach and soccer mentor. Have you been following the FIFA Women's World Cup? Not so much. I I saw I saw the penalty competition with Sweden and and US. Yeah. I didn't see the game. Obviously, I've been I I, I followed the the Norwegian team. Mm-hmm. The did amazingly poor, <laughs> and that's it basically. I, yeah, I haven't seen so many games. Okay, okay, maybe that's that's the question I'll save for next time. Right. <laughs> but yeah, before we get it, get you out of here. First of all, how can our fans find you on social media? David Garcia, Norway. Okay, and and right now is your primary focus the it's just a sport like foundation you've put together? Yeah, you can say that. I, I, I'm not a typical American businessman, <laughs> which I, I learned over the past 20 years. So what I do, I, I work with talents. And what make, if, if I'm interested and if I get something, what can I say, value in my soul, if I can feel something, then we can work. But if it's only for pure business, I, I, I can't I can't do anything for it. So I actually work with sports, and I work with musicians. I work with uh, different kind of artists. Um, I work with whoever touches my soul. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome, David. I can respect that. Yes, so can I. David, before we get you out of here, we're going to ask you what we like to call kind of like silly little questions, kind of, you know, leave you on a happy note. And uh, since Kobe and I are Canadian and this podcast is brought to you from Toronto, we're going to ask you about Canadian cuisine. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Oh, shit. Let's go. Have you ever had a poutine before? No. Do you know what a poutine is? No. (laughs) So a poutine is uh, fries with cheese curds and hot gravy poured on top. Oh, that sounds delicious. I right? Oh, uh, so it's easy to make. You can do it at home. You can do it tonight for dinner if you want. Yeah. But you can also get creative. There's like vegetarian versions who add like, instead of gravy, they add uh, cheese sauce to it. Kobe likes to add bacon to his because he doesn't care about animals. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... <laughs> I mean, I say that, but my favorite is pulled pork. So I, I'm just one to blame. <laughs> Another one. Oh, okay, another one, another one. We also have a thing called a beaver tail. Have you had that? No. no. So a beaver tail. That sounds t- expensive. It's at, well, maybe. I mean, 
they don't really come in one size. I don't think there's, I've never seen a mini version. I'm sure there are, but I haven't seen one. So it's, it's a decent size. It's about six, seven, eight inches, something like that. And in that it's like basically a flat deep fried pancake, if you will, but it has, so the most popular flavor is like Nutella and peanut butter, but there's also, you can do like uh, strawberry pie. You can do blueberry pie flavored. You can do Kobe. What other flavors are there? I'm blanking right now. So, so, so it's a pancake. Kind of. Yes. Kind of. It's like a pancake slash donut. Basically like a deep fried pancake. <laughs> that sounds something for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and our, and our, our last one I want to give you is a, uh, a butter tart. So a butter tart is a flaky pastry. Typically, the original one was filled with butter, cream, and it was cooked until the top part of it got a little crispy. But they're, they're small, handheld, like two, three bite snacks. Have you ever had one of those before? That, 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 that sounds something I, I, I've eaten. Never, never read what it is. But it sounds something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. they're a staple yeah, we, in Canada. Have, and we, it's, it's a type of Danish bread, right? The way to make it? Uh, I don't know if it's Danish bread inspired. It might be, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, because it sounded like a, a lot like it. Ooh, might have some Danish roots in our Canadian roots then. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport left behind.